We got not one, but two fan emails. Well. Wow. Uh, both both from both, my mother. Both from your mother. I was going to say, one, one uh, was a reply in which in the... she corrected herself from calling you <laughs> Matt's mom, or for calling herself Matt's mom to Matthew's mom. Well, the reviews are coming in, and they're glowing so far. Boys, let me just say this. It's a hit. It's an absolute hit. It's a smash. It's a smash hit. And actually, before before we even talk about that, Matt, why don't you go ahead and, and count us to some claps? All righty. Here we go. And one, and two, and three, and... How the fuck do you start one of these? Either one of you want to want to kick this one off. You want to keep it going keep it rolling questions? with me? No, no, no. I mean, I have to introduce the fucking show. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Welcome, listeners, dear friends, dear loved ones. I can't remember what I said last time. It's going to be different every time. Uh, to distraction impossible, the number one rated podcast from Matt's mother. <laughs> yep. Um. I am one of your hosts, Nick, joined, of course, by my best friends of 20-plus years, Joe and Matt. Our mission, should we choose to accept it, is to find the things in life that best distract us from the impossible reality of 2020 and beyond. So <laughs> what I thought we would do is start with a segment, uh, a brand new segment that, that we've never done before, considering this is our second episode. I call this segment, hey, uh, what's new? Where we go around and we talk about what's new in our lives since the last recording. Just quick things, things you've experienced, things that are new, you know, that kind of stuff. So, Joe, you know what? It's been two plus weeks since we last recorded. What's new? What is new? Well, is this distraction, entertainment-related items, or is this just this life? life? Anything? Oh boy! This is this is a grab bag, my my good man, and you can absolutely throw that that well well done haircut into it. Oh, okay. I will grab anyone's bag anytime. Fair enough. As is your right. Well, <laughs> I got I give myself a haircut today uh, because we are in the middle of quarantine, at least at our household. Just because, uh, well, one of Amanda's co-workers' husband is sick and positive, and she's not been feeling well, and but she doesn't have a fever, and it doesn't seem like she's probably going to... She's been tested now. I, I got tested. I already got my results back, and I'm negative, but I can't go back to work until she is negative. Right. So I am working from home, and it's... All kinds of fun with all these animals running around barking and making all sorts of noises. So, yeah, but it, you got to admit, working from home is pretty great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I enjoy it. It certainly minimizes my, uh, oh boy. It certainly minimizes my chances of getting sick. So, yeah. Matt, what about you? What's, what's new in the like 200 weeks since we last recorded? Uh, 
unless I write stuff down, which I have not been great at so far, but will get better. Um, my memory is very short term. Uh, and so in the last, uh, 72 hours, stretching out to maybe four or five days here. Uh, I have been fighting a bout of uh, undiagnosed BPPV, which is a very fancy uh, kind of vertigo that I get from time to time, which has kind of shaped uh, the form of my distractions the last couple of days. Oh. Um, and I've found myself, you know, video games aren't like the perfect medium, um, you know, lots of motion uh, and fun stuff like that. So I've been actually trying to discover some new music and I've started listening to, and we can talk about this later on, but a composer who is not new, but is new to me, uh, of mainly choral works named mm-hmm. Ola Yelo, uh, which is O-L-A-G-J-E-I-L-L-O, I want to say. Wow. And, uh, it's really beautiful stuff and it's been fun to listen to just zoning out with my eyes closed to stop the room from spinning. Uh, and that's been most of what I've done the last few days outside of work. And you said you dug that uh, Phoebe Bridgers album? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm I'm hesitant to get into music that has lyrics uh-huh. uh, a lot because I like to apply my own feelings and emotions to what I'm listening to and too often music with lyrics tells you how the song is supposed to feel. Sure. Um, but that's definitely the Phoebe Bridger stuff has fallen into a category that I like of music with lyrics. And for sure. you have to admit, I mean the album, this is, I haven't listened to her new 2020 album, but the album is stranger in the Alps, which is <laughs> one of the best album titles of all time. Because for those of you who don't know, I, I know all three of us uh, on this podcast are big, uh, big Lebowski fans. And when you watch the Big Lebowski, a wonderful, amazing Coen Brothers movie, an absolute classic. There's a lot of goddamn swearing in that movie, and a lot of really bizarre swearing. Well, that what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Um, but that movie has when it gets ported over to TV. And they have to get rid of all the F-bombs and they have to dub over some of the swears. It has the best dub swear, I think, even better than Samuel L. Jackson's Mr. Falcons from Pulp Fiction. Um, <laughs> the the line is as uh, – what the fuck is it? As John Goodman is beating the shit out of somebody's car, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. And he's just repeating that over and over as he just pummels this guy's car. But in the bleeped version is, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. So the fact that she named her album after the best dubbed swear, in my opinion, uh, that just made it all the more better. But I think even the the best song, though, off the album, for those of you that check it out, is Motion Sickness, which is ironic for Matt's Vertigo. True. Um, and I think it's also a bit of pleasurable irony that you know the, the album is named after censored obscenities and the album is very chill absolutely it's you know it's not a vulgar work in any way very emotional indie rock which is Mm -hmm. you know my my vein times a thousand um unlike you fine gentlemen i wrote down a shitload of things because i much like matt will forget everything five seconds later i'll forget something i wanted to say five minutes ago even before recording so here's some of my quick updates for you. 
amazing television shows. I've, I've broken them into sections even. Amazing television shows that I've binged. The Crown season four. Holy shit. Love that show. It's so good. I was going to jump in there real quick and say uh, Jen has decided that I think we're going to try to start watching The Crown. Fucking love um, The Crown. <clears throat> what's that? I fucking love The Crown. Amazing I show. thought you For a second, I thought you said, what's The Crown? I'm like, fuck, you <laughs> just talked about it. Um, no, uh, she um, – you guys both know this, but Jen is – pretty averse to any anxiety inducing tv or movies yep uh, so we more or less stick to comedies family movies family tv shows sitcoms <laughs> so i mean to the point where we had to we had to turn off chicken run a few years ago no shit it was too much um so the fact that she wants to watch the crown which i'm sure has uh its fair share of dramatic anxiety-inducing moments uh, is interesting, and I'm looking forward to watching that. You know what I find to be a very calming movie? Alien. It's a little-known <laughs> sci-fi. Uh, she went to see Prometheus with you in theaters, didn't she? She absolutely did. Oh, I'm sure that was the, the uh, midnight premiere a... when when Kate had to leave during the surgery scene, and I thought I was going to pee my pants during the movie. <laughs> I still have. The, I got a T-shirt from that. I still have it somewhere. Oh, okay. A couple other things I've got. Queen's Gambit. That show was fire. Absolutely. Everyone, go watch Queen's Gambit. Amazing show. Um, the Mandalorian is just killing it. The Mandalorian is such a good show. I could talk about Star Wars. I could do a whole Star Wars podcast with you. You know, with you folks. With you. I keep calling you fine gentlemen, like forty times in the first episode. So I'm going to try to hold back on that at least a little bit. The movie Uncle Frank on Amazon. Paul Bettany. I hope he wins an Oscar for it. It is an amazing movie about a southern family in the 70s an uncle and niece who both live in new york one's a college professor and one is 18 and going to college return home for the patriarch of the family's funeral uh, but the family or the majority of the family does not know that the uncle is gay and it is absolutely fucking an incredible movie hits heavy it's hard super well done ted lasso have either of you watched ted lasso no, no. I've, I know what it is, but I haven't watched it. Ted Lasso is on Apple TV, and it alone is worth having Apple TV. It's that good. I've never watched a, a sitcom comedy show. I've never watched anything that made me feel so good after watching it. It's so wholesome. It's so... It's so well made. It's made by Bill Lawrence, the guy that did Scrubs and Spin City. It stars Jason Sudeikis as this uh, American football coach that goes to coach a soccer team in the UK. It's kind of a fish out of water story. And holy shit, I, I just can't recommend it enough. It's so funny yet heartwarming and it, it – I can't believe that it exists. Uh, it started as a literal sketch on NBC Sports that they made as like a commercial, just a like a quick sketch that became a TV show that is now – holy shit. Anyways, yeah. It, it has the same sort of vibes for me as Great British Bake Off or Great British Baking Show, depending on hmm. where you're watching it, where 
it's funny and it's enthralling. And at the end of it, you come away like feeling better no matter what. Um, so that I just can't recommend Ted Lasso enough. Um, some video games that I've been playing or I'm about to play. Uh, Hades on the Switch. If you have a Nintendo Switch, check out Hades. It is a weird game about gods and shit. It like, I don't even know how to describe it other than it's one of the only games where like the action packed parts of the game are not the most entertaining parts. It, is that uh, recent? It's, it's very recent. It's in the last okay. year or so. It's, it's, it's going to be a lot of people's game of the year for 2020. I, I guarantee that. Um, Matt, you and I had talked about offline the game Control. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's just recently released on Xbox Game Pass, so for free, uh, for those of us that have Game Pass. Started playing it. I'm probably about a third of the way in, maybe a little bit more. That game is a riot. That game is a good time. It's very spooky, very creepy, very um, – you're kind of figuring out what – supernatural stuff is happening as you go along in the game much like if any of you played prey uh or the original dead space that kind of vibe of freaky shit starts happening and and you kind of get clued into the story as you go Uh, and then tonight actually because we're recording this on the ninth uh tonight at midnight is when cyberpunk 2077 Mm -hmm. comes out which i've already pre-downloaded and prepaid for um, made by CD Projekt Red, makers of one of my favorite games, The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt. I am very excited for it. Any sort of RPG game like Skyrim or The Witcher or Mass Effect, anything like that, where I can kind of pave my own path through the world, I am going to sink a trillion hours into and get lost in it. So that's going to be a big distraction for me going forward. Um, my couch. I, I, I live in an adult man's house now which is a very weird <laughs> fucking way to say it um, what's his name uh, his name is charles uh he nice. is prince or something i don't know i've only watched the crown no um i i don't know how to describe this without going much deeper into it but i have resisted all or not all i've resisted many attempts to better myself over the years because i like to self-sabotage and i'm good at it um this year during quarantine, it took a fucking global pandemic for me to decide, hey, let's just like do the stuff that people do, like have a dining room table and then get a desk and then have a couch so that you, you know, your house is actually a usable house that you'll be in for the rest of your fucking life. <laughs> um, but the couch and, and the, well, I also got a, um, stationary bike. So I have a home gym behind my couch and then my, couch is most of my living room but uh it it's amazing i'm so fucking pleased with it i i wish i had bought the original co- i wish i'd gotten the original couch and had been had this for an entire year but um you know it's never too late right don't you have to like mount the couch or climb it in some fashion to be able to get into it no so i <laughs> this goes into another flaw of mine i form deep associations with things it can be trivial things as well. Um, I had a very similar, if not the same sort of couch when I was with my ex, as you both are aware. Um, when I first got the couch, I arranged it in a way that was suboptimal, but would have been acceptable. 
I would have been able to use it. It would have been fine. But the best way to use it would be to separate it in the same way that I had my couch separated when I was with my ex. And for two days, I refused to even try it because I was like, no, I'm not doing that. No, just just because of the association, nothing else. Just no, I refuse to do that again. And then, of course, I did separate it in that same manner, and it's now expanded my whole living room. It's easy to access. There's a space between the couch and the love seat that you can go into. Um, it's there's there's no trouble with it at all. But I'm just a stubborn son of a bitch. And then my last thing before we get into the trillion other things I want to talk about is the keto. Um, today is day 32 of Damn. the keto. Um, I originally put it. In my mind that, you know, fucking you're going to do something for once. You're going to do it right. And you're going to do it for 30 days. Well, I, I did it. So go me. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm into it. I, I am a fan. I'm going to stick with it for a, another month longer, maybe. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens if I make it through the rest of December and, you know, through into 2021. But I've seen the results. I am... And and let me just preface this by saying everybody's journey is different. I don't say this to shame anyone. I don't say this, you know, weight loss is a very sensitive subject for a lot of people. Weight in general is a sensitive subject for a lot of people. I totally get that. For me, I am more comfortable. I am more, um, I feel happier. I like the way I look more when I weigh less. And I weighed myself after I took a shower today and I was 207, which puts me down 31 pounds from March, from the start of when I started quarantining. So wow. it is it is at a point finally where I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, no, I, I see a difference. <laughs> I've lost 30 pounds. You said you're down 31 since March. Yeah. But I'm assuming March wasn't your lowest in the last eight months? March wasn't my highest, you mean? Wasn't your... Correct. Yeah, it wasn't your highest. No, it was. It was. Wow. Was okay. Highest. So you didn't have lots of weight gain over I, the quarantine. I, I only lost weight during quarantine. Good for and, you. And here's why. Because when I was out and about, uh, a man about town going downtown for work and all that, I ate a greasy breakfast. I ate a greasy lunch. I would have a greasy dinner. I'd wash down that greasy dinner with Coca-Colas. I'd have dessert. I'd have, you know, I'd eat 3000 plus calories a day. I, you know, it was, I was spending too much money on food and, and all of that because breakfast was the time where I could see my two best work friends. So we'd go down and we, Hey, you guys ready? Oh yeah. Let's go get some bacon. Let's go get some eggs. Let's go get some hash browns, all that shit. Oh, you ready for lunch? Oh, okay. Let's go down. Let's go, you know, get burgers. Let's go get Thai food, whatever it is. So mm-hmm. I was gaining way more weight because then we'd also go get drinks after work. Right. Like, oh, let's just have a, let's have a quick one. Let's have a quick one. Well, three cocktails later, I'm already at 3000 calories and it's 4 PM. You know, you haven't had dinner yet. Right. Yeah. Which then I'll have a big dinner at seven or, or whatever. So it, that's why I say it took a global pandemic for me to kind of get my shit together because there were certainly times and parts of quarantine where I was binging, but not this, not at the five out of seven days a week that I was kind of doing it before. So no, my, my mm-hmm. highest was probably approaching 240. And, and as of today, I'm 207. Nice. Good for yeah. you. Thank you. And I don't say that for accolades or anything like that. I just say it as like, I, I can't believe it. So even to say it out loud is, is pretty fucking weird for me. Um, oh, one thing about keto that I'm not, not that I'm not the biggest fan of, but when I want to buy snacks and shit, it's just all expensive. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> it's They're as, out there. Oh yeah, I've I've got a 
trillion different ones now. I'm always trying a new one, tasting a new one, sampling a new one. I just got a box of, of a bunch of different, you know, some monk fruit see, uh, sweetener and bone broth, pork rinds of different flavors and cheese crisps and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the majority of what I eat is like celery, a salad, four ounces of pork, eight ounces of beef, cauliflower, asparagus. What is your, uh, what are your beverages? Just basically sticking to water? And- Lemon water. Um, an occasional Adkins protein shake and uh, the occasional vodka and club soda with lime. I don't know how accessible it is up there, but um, I found a couple Zevia flavors that I did like. Um, but I don't know how strict you're running your, your operation. The, the beverages that I'm willing to accept in terms of carbs and all that is is almost nil because – it's a reaction to I drink uh, or I was drinking a lot of my calories, be it pop, be it liquor, be it you know, cocktails, whatever. And so I'm trying to do the total opposite of I get almost none of my calories from from what I drink. Now, I still don't drink enough water and I'm really trying to, to get better about that. But uh, yeah, I I'm being super hard on myself when it comes to beverages. So now stevia is zero carb. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if you're doing stevia sweetener or not. I'm I'm trying to. Uh, I'm not super strict on sweeteners themselves. Uh, obviously, erythritol is is okay. The sugar alcohols that don't get absorbed in the body, that I'm okay with that. I do mm-hmm. have uh, occasional sugar free Red Bull pear flavor because the pear flavor is the best flavor. Um, after going three weeks with no caffeine, now when I have caffeine, it's uh, like a fucking jolt, like you jabbed a needle in my heart. Mm-hmm. Like um, you stabbed your hand with a screwdriver. Yeah, that was a good jolt, too. That'll, I'll be scarred for life because of Joe's wedding. Uh, <laughs> well, you just do everything with 110%, so... That was with 300% when I punctured myself for you. Mm-hmm. He did a screwdriver into your soft tissue. Nice. I mean, I did it so perfectly in a way that damaged literally nothing, though. There's yep. a, a decent amount tendons. of nerves right there. Yeah. Yep. I got lucky. All right. So that's, uh, that's, I already forget what I called the, the segment. Hey, what's new? Maybe. What's that new? Yeah. All right. What's new? All right. We should probably talk about distractions, boys. Yeah, I would say so. Either of you distracted by anything other than the fact that we're distracting ourselves as we record this? Yeah, I got a, a couple of things. I got a TV show and a video game I could talk about. Or don't need to talk about until week 13. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> well, episode 13. Cause episode mission weekly. 13. All the, all, I will say, this shit's going out Monday. So I definitely want to talk about The Mandalorian. So mm. just because of the incredible um, way that that show has been developing this season. I really enjoyed season one. I really enjoyed, even though it was somewhat of a monster of the week, and there were some episodes that were very different, that were kind of down, that weren't the high intensity, um, I still enjoyed all of it. But season two has really just taken it into another dimension where it's become, and to some extent it's become a live-action Rebels, or probably a live-action Clone Wars. I, I never watched. I, I, watched I watched both, and I love both, and it's, it's better versa. than both. I've only watched Clone Wars. 
Did you Don't watch season seven of Clone Wars? No, no, I haven't made it to season what, seven. Fuck, what the fuck, bud? Well, I don't know. They came out with it 10 years after season six. So I will circle around back to that at some point. Probably when Amanda not, watches all of it. I'm not saying this as a negative, but is it too oversimplifying to categorize the Mandalorian as Star Wars Doctor Who? Um, If you add in Fl- Firefly, then you got it. Yeah, for sure. The yeah the the rogue kind of Space gray Cowboys. character yeah yeah man what I as a side note when uh, one of my roommates from college Dane uh, introduced me to Firefly uh, he didn't sell me on it with his description at all but I still gave it a shot because his description was a Chinese Western in space yep and I said that does not sound like a great time not for me anyway I, that- uh, he said no just just watch it. It's a Chinese Western in space. I will say, um, one, I went as Captain Malcolm Reynolds for Firefly one Halloween in college. Best costume I ever wore. And there are absolutely zero pictures of me in it, which is a damn shame because <laughs> that that was the costume that launched an eight-year relationship. Uh, the <laughs> second thing is Dane recommended um, something I had heard of but hadn't do- dove into yet at that point, a show called Letterkenny. Uh, which oh. I'm going to talk about later. Oh. Fucking one of the best shows oh, yeah. that exists. He also recommended, which is on my list, but I'm, I haven't been willing to devote the time to it yet. The Expanse, which people say is one of the best sci-fi shows on TV. But I think that currently the best sci-fi show on TV is The Mandalorian. So, Joe, why don't, why, why don't you give us a little bit more about it? The the way that Dave Filoni writes and is kind of recursive in that it brings back the same characters into it and so you've um in the mandalorian you've got and i don't remember people's names enough but the two that are that were from the guild planet grief carga and caradun yes grief carga and caradun is that caradun okay marshal of the new republic yes so the fact that they circle back in early in the season and then that you have the assassin that was from the Tatooine episode last year. Played by Ming-Na Wen. Yes. Thank you. Into the most <laughs> recent episode, at least as of this date, which was episode, what, five of the season? Yeah, it's chapter 14. Yeah. I, I, chapter 14. Yeah. And they so, were nine last season, so yeah. I just, it's, it's great because it's a good balance, I think, especially for a show that's only got nine or ten or however many episodes in a season to introduce uh, two or three key new characters in the season like Bo-Katan and of course Ahsoka Tano but then to also get back into previous characters that you've already introduced or seen before and develop those characters further I think what you're touching on is one of my favorite things about the Mandalorian It, it threads a needle that I've never seen a show do before because there's never quite been a show like it where I am a fucking nerd don't know if you guys know that, especially about Star Wars. That's my number one fandom. Um, I have a, a existing knowledge of Bo-Katan and of uh, Ahsoka Tano and of Sabine Wren, who's probably going to come onto the show. And, you know, all these these characters that are popping in from other Star Wars products. Like, I, I am well-versed. I've seen all of it. I, and that's why know. I could remember their names and not Grief Karga. And right, right. But uh, but even, um, I didn't read the book, but I, I delve into the backstory of it. There was the one episode with Timothy Oliphant as the, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember his name. He was really good, though. He, Cobb Vanth, I think. He 
is actually from one of the Aftermath books that they printed as a part of the sequel trilogy of movies. They did an Aftermath that uh, told some stories of the universe post Return of the Jedi. That guy is actually that character is actually from one of those books, and this is just him a little bit later in that. Um, so for me, as a nerd that's looking for that stuff, like the episode where they fucking he Cobb is riding one of Anakin's pod racer engines from Episode One, mm-hmm. or like there there's so many little things for people like me that that trace back these roots or know these characters or, or understand that. But the best thing about this show is you don't have to know a goddamn thing. You don't have to know the history of the Darksaber. You don't have to know about fucking Obi-Wan's dead love interest on planet Mandalore and how she was betrayed and murdered by these people called the Death Watch who are uh, pretty much the people that raised the Mandalorian, but they're not quite linked that closely. And it was all about this ancient lightsaber thing that like was important to the Mandalorians. You don't need to know any of that. I can no, know it's that. Ice- it's icing on the cake, but the cake without icing is still incredible. It's fucking the the highest level television shit putting out there. And my last point of it is it makes me extremely excited for Kenobi. Obi-Wan's one of my favorite characters of any franchise in any media ever. And to flesh that out at with Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi with the same sort of staff and same sort of technology with which they're making The Mandalorian, I could not be more excited for that show. So where have we settled on that? Is that currently another TV show or is that a, a movie? It's or? a limited series. It's a limited series? Okay. Yeah, on Disney+. Plus. Because it's been all over the place. No, it's – it's Deborah Chow is the showrunner and, and directing many of the episodes. It starts filming actually in January. Okay. They were doing screen tests on the side of the Mandalorian, they I were. heard. They had Ewan McGregor come in and, and put his robes back on. Well, hello there. I fucking love the Mandalorian. Hey everyone, uh, this is Nick cutting in while doing the edits. This is it's actually Saturday the twelfth. I just wanted to jump in here since a lot has happened actually since we recorded this a few only a few days ago. Disney has since announced a smorgasbord of new Star Wars shows and movies. Everything from Ahsoka getting her own show, uh, the New Republic, I think it's Officers of the New Republic or Marshals of the New Republic, I can't remember, um, to new Star Wars movies. Taika Waititi, one of my favorite directors, is going to be directing one. Uh, Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman, is going to be directing a Rogue Squadron movie. So if you haven't seen those or if you haven't seen that Hayden Christensen is going to be reprising Darth Vader in the Kenobi show, uh, all things, so many things that I just can't contain my excitement. I uh, highly recommend check those out. They also announced a couple of Marvel related, th- you know, new Marvel shows, new Marvel casting, and put out some trailers specifically for, I think, the last uh, trailer for WandaVision, a new trailer for Loki, a new trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I highly recommend. Go check those out. Uh, no doubt those are things we'll be talking about in the future. All right, back to the show. All right, what's your other one, Joe? The other one is something that I didn't know if I wanted to talk about yet or until I... Well, no, no, no. I just mean <laughs> from... The... You'll understand when I say that it's Destiny, the game, Yeah. that... Do I want to go all out on that right now? Or, and I think I've just settled on it's going to have to be addressed and might be addressed on more than one occasion. Sure. So, 
Yeah, so Destiny is Bungie, previously the owners and creators of the original Halo trilogy. The but, good Halo trilogy. Yeah, another distinguishing. Yep. They have taken on this long-term plan of doing the series that they call Destiny that's been going now for, I think this is its seventh year, something like that, because I think it started in 2014. Holy shit, that makes me feel old. Yeah, it is its seventh year. Yeah. So it's what the way that they originally decided that it was going to, what it was going to be called was basically a epic epic sci-fi something like that basically a sci-fi fantasy hybrid and our my relationship with it has changed over the years because it is um pretty much at this point an MMORPG although it's kind of the first of its kind or was the first of its kind in being a first person shooter MMORPG but it does take a lot of time. You do have to sink a lot of time into it, which I we can tell you all sorts of stories about. But so with just the way that life has kind of gone for me, I, I've really had to say, how am I going to be involved in it? And the way I've been involved in it is just watching, to a, a small extent, watching like Let's Plays on YouTube, but to mm-hmm. a larger extent, Following a couple, because I, I enjoy the the story of it and the the deeper lore behind the game. So following a couple of lore channels by uh, Australians and Australian YouTubers, um, Mylan Games and My Name Is Bife, who have different or very different approaches to telling the lore. One's more of I would say almost like a a college lecturer, but a really well-versed, really good depth of knowledge, able to make connections college lecturer, and one who's much more of a, a presenter, kind of makes it seem like he's telling you a story. Is I, I got to assume Mylan Games is the lecturer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And Bife is more of the, the presenter. He's going he's gonna to write it up. He's going to do a little bit of voice work himself, even, and, and editing and they both do a great job, and it's helped me to stay connected to that universe, even though I don't, I haven't played it now for two years since right. uh, Forsaken, since the Forsaken expansion. So I love it, and I'm excited. I mean, next next year, finally, the major expansion is Witch Queen, so we finally get to see a villain that has been in the background and and not at the forefront for the last five years be the main villain that's going to be contended against so it's pretty exciting but yeah we've got some history with destiny we do um in the real life alphabetically podcast i talked about uh in episode g as i was reminded exists by someone um talked a little bit about online gaming and that destiny i have some really fond memories of online gaming with with you and with my stepbrother uh, and his friend who has since passed and uh, my old college roommate John that we reconnected that way through Destiny and a friend of his and we were able to do this six person activity that took seven fucking straight hours to do but but that yeah Destiny's Destiny's a good one I like Destiny I generally jump back into it every time there is a new expansion but. With that said, each time I've done it, I've gotten less and less enjoyment out of it, if that makes sense. Like, I played just 
enough of the main story to see what happens. And then I bounce. Like I don't do the online stuff. I don't do the, uh, you know, player versus player stuff. I don't do the raids. I don't do any, like I less and less want to put so much time into it that I, I feel that I'm getting less out of it. So I, I definitely see why you would make that switch. It's a really interesting game. It's a really interesting world. I wish more of that lore and more of the, the storytelling that you watch from those guys and made it into the game, to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean, they've they've transitioned a little bit. It's definitely better than it was. Yeah. Uh, man, with and Destiny 1, Destiny and the Destiny fucking One. grimoire cards. Yeah. For those who aren't aware, the, the lore of the game was essentially something that was truly not in the game at yeah. all. And you had to go to an, uh, a, almost like a companion app. Yeah, it was Basically, a companion website slash app. Yeah, you had to go either into the Destiny app or to Destiny.com or other sites, third-party sites, that eventually downloaded it and reorganized it better than Bungie was able to, even. But to see the the lore and read the background stories, none of that was available in the game. You had to go online to find it. And since Destiny 2, they've started putting that into the game itself, all those lore entries that you unlock by beating a a certain villain or, or getting a certain weapon are available in the game so that you can just read it there. But... It's still, it's still not something that you're going to see represented in the main story, typically, of what you're watching on screen. With the exception, perhaps, of... Man, Forsaken was good. I Forsaken mean, it got very into, good. It started to get into some of the deeper lore as part of the overall game, yeah. which was really, really nice. But, uh, yeah. Taken... Or Taken King. Uh, Destiny 2, Dying Light. Is that the most recent one? That's the most Dying recent one, yeah. Yeah. It came out um, just a couple, two weeks ago, something like that. Um, right and after the election, yeah. I've I've felt the itch to experience the story of it because it it gets rid of for the first time they actually wiped away some of the things you were some of the planets you were able to visit some of the things you were able to do before in favor of just adding all new planets, all new story, all new all new stuff. So uh, especially with that. My second annual rock bottom zone that I have coming up with basically almost three weeks off. Uh, you, you might get a text or two from me. Well, I haven't played a minute of Destiny 2, so is that a problem? That No. Uh... no. Okay. No. Actually, after their split with Activision, they've made it more friendly to, to new people just coming in. Yep. It's a lot more a la carte now. Instead it's, to the, of... it's to the point where when I come back, I'm, a, I'm a, someone that's logged damn near probably hundreds of hours in even destiny two and all the shit that I've accumulated, all the guns I've accumulated, all the armor, all that shit is, is worthless when I come back for a new expansion because they've upped the level limit and they've upped, you know, new armors, new stuff like that. So we would almost be at the same starting point as it were. Yeah. But under Activision, the craziness of it was that you had, if you wanted to play the most recent expansion, you really needed to, buy the base game, and then buy up to that expansion. Like, you couldn't just a la carte say, oh, I want to play Beyond Light. You would have to sink. And now, granted, over time, they would release collector's editions that would be $70 or something, so you wouldn't have to 
buy mm-hmm. piecemeal all of those other parts. But for a while there, you would have to buy piecemeal yep. all of those expansions if you wanted to play the newest the newest release. That's how I played the first one is I just ended up, I originally owned the vanilla Destiny. And then I went out and bought a pre-owned copy that included the three expansions. Yep. The original Destiny is one of the only games I've ever bought one of those fancy uh, physical, like legendary editions of where I got postcards and I got like merch that came with it. The the Bobby Hannon edition? Yeah, exactly. When when Joe and I fucking left Jen's brother in the GameStop parking lot. We got to tell we some to, stories here, man. We, we got to tell the the mid- okay, Don't fine. Don't spoil it. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll we'll come back to that another time. That's the fucking that's such a good one. We almost left him to die to the fucking zombies in the crowd. Um, all right, what what uh what distraction? You got anything on your list, Matt? It's small stuff. Um, Hit me. Did you did you guys see the Arecibo Observatory collapsing? Yes, yeah. it was very sad. Did that that just bummed me out for see, just like for days. I. I didn't even know like why I was feeling a certain way, and then I would see that come across, you know, a Twitter or Facebook feed, and just, you know, I remember being a kid and uh, seeing Contact, uh, Contact and Goldeneye, and then, man, you know, two and classic for fucking sure. childhood movies, and they both like just the the awe that I had of that, and then now, uh, you know, living in Florida, I have a lot of friends from Puerto Rico. I've seen a lot of them, you know, just sharing times that they've been near the observatory, and it's it's a it's a bummer. It bummed me out. I mean, was it just I didn't I haven't researched the what or the why behind it, but was it really just a a funding lapse? Was yeah. it? Oh yeah, a long term funding lapse that led to just complete disrepair. Yep, and they were aware that it was going to that it was probably structurally to the point where something was imminent. And they they actually had a drone out there surveying damage when it collapsed, and that's really yep. why they have footage that they have. So I mean, I think I sad. it is very sad, but possibly a too soon joke though is that <laughs> if it was not the pandemic, I would have highly anticipated Christopher Nolan just having guys out there with IMAX cameras at all times. Oh, fuck yeah, so like, Tenet too, man. Absolutely. I need this for a, yeah. a movie I'm going to make someday, so let's get it live. Right. Oh my god, Joe, you just took me into something I want to talk about. Sorry to derail you, Matt. No, that's perfect. Fucking HBO Max and Christopher Nolan oh. and Warner Brothers. I need to hear some opinions on this shit, because i got 40 opinions. On the here's, death here's mask going to ensue? No, you guys have heard Christopher oh, yeah, Nolan I, rip yeah. HBO yeah, that's Max, why I said death right? Match. Yeah. Matt, have you heard about this? I have, but I haven't read... The details of the ramifications. Here's a paraphrased version of Christopher Nolan's quote. A lot of very talented directors and a lot of really talented actors went to bed thinking they were working for one of the premier film production companies in the world and woke up working for one of the for the worst streaming service. Meaning that they worked for Warner Brothers when they went to bed and they woke up and they're now HBO Max workers. This is this will be the point where Christopher Nolan and I diverge. I know he is a mass. He's he's the best filmmaker in my opinion, ever or of his generation or whatever you want to call it. He is unbelievable, and he's entitled to every fucking opinion. He knows more about fucking anything about film than I ever will in a trillion years. With that said, Chris, I, I'm I didn't see Tenet. I wanted to. 
I didn't because of the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go see Tenet until I watch it at home on my TV. I'm going to watch fucking Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max. I'm going to watch Dune on HBO Max. Like, I, I get the... I get his frustrations. I get his... I, I want to call it uh, perfectionism, but it's it's even beyond it because he, he really cares about his craft. It's very important to him, the industry, all of that. He's always been a champion of the industry. And the industry is dying. And I know it's going to impact the kind of movies that get made. I know it's going to impact how movies get made, all of that. But with that said, for me as a consumer and the way that I consume things, you're more likely to get my money doing deals like this. Maybe that's my hot take. Yeah. I mean, I'll offer the counterpoint, I suppose. Not super intense counterpoint, but I'll offer a counterpoint nonetheless. Of uh, We went and we, well, we saw um, Tenet in, in theaters. We were one of maybe six or two of maybe six people in the theater. Um, and very few people, if you look at the box office numbers, saw it nationwide. Which is why we felt safe going to do it, because we realized no one was going to see it. So, And this was also back in the summer, right? Um, August, well, I mean, because it didn't come out until... I mean, it was delayed heavily, so I don't think it came out until September. I mean, it was supposed oh, to come September? out in July, and so it came out in September finally. So, yeah, we saw it in September. Um, And so, the, yeah, the fall surge hadn't quite started yet. But, I mean, nevertheless... I I made the comparison because we we also did another private screening after that. That I mean I've felt safer being in there honestly than I do going to Giant Eagle because when I'm in Giant Eagle there's a hundred two hundred people in there all crammed into these aisles running around touching everything. So I felt pretty safe in the movie theater. But I I think that I I, I can understand Christopher Nolan's frustration because this this has been a long time coming and it was being talked about even prior to the pandemic of going to this model where movies would come to a streaming service at the same time that they'd be in the theaters or instead of going into theaters and he fought that and other filmmakers fought that at the time and it was it was definitely never tied to HBO Max at that point it was it was tied to a couple different uh, subscription services that I don't think really ever panned out, but now the pandemic comes in and it, it obviously majorly accelerates uh, that path to the point of where we're talking about it very realistically happening. Now, now these, these major movies are going to come out and they're only going to come out to HBO max. I, as much as I want to be able to continue to go to the movie theater and I recognize that, this is going to impact the theaters to the point that some chains are probably going to close. Maybe they're Take going to that close probably locations. out of there. Are they're going to go bankrupt? They are going to fail. Many of them, and it needs yeah. to happen. the The model was broken long before the pandemic. But I still favor that we've come to the HBO Max system or model instead of the Disney Plus model because mm-hmm. the Disney Agreed. Plus model of okay, a new movie comes out, you all need to on top of your monthly payment to our subscription service you need to pay 29.99 for the privilege of watching this movie is take- it felt so 1995 cable pay-per-view yes you know i'm already paying for cable service now i'm paying for a viewing 
Now they only did that for live action Mulan, correct? That's the only one I know. And of. I, I think they are releasing the new Pixar Soul film, yeah. and I think a small handful of others around Christmas. And I think that's just going to be included. So I think that might be indicative that you know they saw the writing on the wall that that did not work for them either. I read yeah. something wild that uh, Disney Plus and Hulu may merge. I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, because I mean they are owned by the same companies. It, when you get up to the top. <laughs> I was kind of surprised that they didn't right from the start, to be honest. They don't have enough diversity in the types of things to watch on Disney+. Plus. I love Disney+. Plus. I pay for Disney+. Plus. I've got my Star Wars. I've got Marvel. I've got Pixar. I've got... I just watched Onward. That was That's something I watched in the last week. I thought that was really good. I thought it was cute. I liked it very much. Very good brotherly... Um, I like anything that's got a brotherly road trip you know, relationshipy vibe to it. Highly recommend that. But um I was glad I didn't have to pay more for Onward because it came out in twenty nineteen or whatever. Uh, I did not watch Mulan. I didn't pay for it. There's only one movie that I paid the fifteen ninety nine to watch and that was uh, Bill and Ted three just because it was one of those times it hit me at a moment where I was like, fuck it. I'm just gonna do it. I, I kinda wanna see this movie I probably wouldn't go see it in the theater, but I'm sitting here on my couch and I have a cocktail in my hand. Let's watch it. You know, that kind of thing, which honestly is why the studios are going to make more money because I'm more likely to make a stupid purchase sitting on my couch than I am that I'm going to make the trek over to your movie theater. It, yeah. It's mm-hmm. like I'll see at, at the best of times the last couple of years, I've seen three, four movies a year. That's the, the top. Same. And yeah, the activation energy is a lot lower. Um, um, yeah. As I've talked about, my activation energy to do anything is fucking sky high. So it, it's got to be a, like a fucking Star Wars or a top Marvel. Like I went and saw Endgame by myself. I think that's the only movie I've ever seen in the theater by myself is, is Avengers Endgame. But uh, like here sitting around thinking like, oh, you know what? Fucking um, – Dune comes out today. I would drop 10, 15 bucks to watch Dune. Of course I would. I'm extremely excited to watch it. Now, am I going to have to do that? No, because HBO Max has got me covered. They've made a deal. But what I want to have happen from this, what I hope happens from this, the theater chains previously were only making money on snacks. The rising cost of tickets went almost completely towards the rising costs that the studios were charging to these theaters to even show their movies. Yeah, and for distribution. And for exactly. So if you wanted to watch, if you wanted to play Endgame in eight theaters at your fucking movie theater, which you needed because that's what people were coming to see, all of your ticket revenue was going to the fact that you were even allowed to to. Get those people into your theater. And then you ramp up your snacks so it's fucking $12 for a bottle of water, and that's what you make your money on. I would love to see, when you think about those more luxury movie theater experiences that have the dinner, they've got a bar, they've got a, you know, a nice arcade. I would like to see more theaters go that route and for them to have an actual reasonable deal with the distributors and with the studios because they're also showing it on fucking hulu or hbo max or whoever the fuck on netflix i don't care you know scorsese can make another movie um because if if you're warner brothers and you are already putting your movies and you say i'm putting all my 2021 movies on hbo max 
That means that if I'm a movie theater and I want to show Dune or I want to show Wonder Woman or whatever, that fee better be cut fucking to 2% of what it was before this deal came out because, you know, people aren't going to be paying me $15, $20 a ticket when they can watch that shit at home on a free trial of HBO Max. So I just would say to kind of support that and what how down the off the rails the model had gotten for the movie theaters currently was our experience with going ahead and doing a private screening. So we did a private screening because one I love the movie Inception. It's one of my favorite movies. And uh, and Amanda, my wife, has had never seen it before and I thought hey, the, the really the best way to do it is to see it on the big screen, to see it on a movie theater, I think. Uh, at least for your first time of seeing Inception. Yeah. Your first five times. Yeah. That's the way to go. So originally, because it was the 10-year anniversary, Christopher Nolan was going to do a release of it into the theaters prior, um, leading into the release of Tenet. But then because of the pandemic, that all went away. Uh, Tenet was delayed two months, and that really re-release of Inception just never happened. So, but then all these private screening deals started to happen. So I looked into it and said, yeah, let's do that. That's awesome. And it was, it was a great experience. But the crazy thing about it is that what you have to do is you have to, at least at Silver Spot, which is one of those luxury theater lines, kind of like Nick was talking about, where they have a full in-service menu and bar and so forth, and they bring the food to your seats and you have dinner there. Um, You have to first pay a nominal fee just to rent out the theater. Right. So we did that, and we had, I think, 12 people in the end, and so it ended up coming out to be in like 11 or $12, something a person. So it was almost like $140, $150 nominal fee just to rent out the theater. Now, what some people didn't realize, and what we had got to avoid, thankfully, because the um, we were doing Inception, which is not a current movie, is if you did a current movie, not only did you have to rent the theater, you also had to pay, in addition to that, the ticket price for each person. Each of the 12 people you had mm. in your showing had to buy a ticket for Tenet or for Mulan or whatever movie it was. Sure. Um, Mulan wasn't in theaters at that point. So whatever movie it was, you had to buy the tickets for that as well. So that's a crazy, crazy way of running things, I think, to just add on all these different fees but i can see why they have to do it because what nick's talking about the right to be able to show the movie on that screen if it's something that's quote unquote currently in theaters it's going to be an extra fee but hey i I thought it was awesome watching inception what they do is they just have an apple tv there so they hand you an apple tv remote and you log (laughs) into the app on there so i logged into amazon prime on their uh, apple tv app and then you just get to watch whatever and we watched inception and at first i had to it was a buck wild first 30 seconds of the movie because it was on subtitles because (laughs) of my preferences for amazon prime so i had to figure out how to turn subtitles off using an using an apple tv remote that i've never used before (laughs) in my life joe novak put his password into an apple tv device at a public theater oh yeah i mean there's a number of after that, after when it's done, you can go in and you can log out. I could also log into my Amazon Prime and deactivate, deregister that device. True. But, yeah, you got to sacrifice some things for, for comfort, <laughs> right? There is one more topic that I want to talk about, if that's all right with you guys. 
it's a meaningful one to me and one that I, I kind of just want to get out. The last thing that I want to talk about is how I am a moody teenager at heart. What are you talking about, Nick? You're the oldest soul that I've ever met in my entire life. You were born at age 65 and you've only gotten older since. Yes, that is, that's accurate. There is something for me that is one of the most intimate and romantic things that you can give to another person. And that is a mixtape. Now, it's not always romantic. It's not always intimate, but but it's a sign of it, it's meaningful. It's deep. It's connecting to give someone a mixtape, be they a friend, be they someone you're interested in, be they a girlfriend, wife, partner, you know, husband, whoever. And I'll, I'll just speak to my own realm with mixtapes. To me, they have a great and powerful meaning as if I was a fucking emo 15-year-old. Have either of you made a, a mixtape that you spent a lot of time on ever in your life? Never for another person. Joe? No. I mean, the only time I it bought into doing a mixtape with your college buddies, and I was supposed right. to do for Malavika, and then I yeah. didn't, and so I think yeah. she didn't get a mixtape that year. She so didn't. That was pretty cool. But yeah. uh, no, I mean, I, I, as a teenager, put together what I thought was the best of all the uh, Lord of the Rings soundtracks from all three movies onto one CD and put them in a an order that I thought was not any kind of, was like musically interesting to me, I guess. But Got it. No. I have received three mixtapes in my life, all from the same person, all within a one-year period, and they changed my life. The first one that I got, I was in a relationship and getting this mixtape and listening to it opened me up to a lot of music I wasn't familiar with and a lot of music that ended up becoming some of my favorite music I'd ever heard. It was my first meaningful introduction to Arcade Fire, which is one of my favorite bands of all time, uh, which is someone I've seen live, which is, you know, in, in my top five for sure. From there, I got two more over the course of, I, I got one when my girlfriend and I broke up and I got one a couple months after that. And then I ended up dating the person that gave me those mixtapes for eight years because the first mixtape, as I listened to it and after I listened to it kind of made me realize, oh shit, I've kind of got feelings for this person. This is going to be weird. Yep. We're getting weird. Yeah. That same person gave me a tape. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, that tape was a album. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily a, a mix sure. or a playlist. It was an album. I was an asshole. Yep. I didn't listen to it. It's a shame. Um, that person and I went through some things. Yeah. And then I mean, three let's, or four let's years just, later. Let's, let's clear it out fully. Uh, you dated someone for a year, a little more than a year, I think, in high school. And then she sure. and I dated for eight years a couple yeah. years later. So – after we had gone through that yep. and were then kind of on talking terms again, yep. I said, hey, I, I'm just chatting with her. I said, hey, I found this awesome album like on iTunes or, or LimeWire or whatever it was. And she went, you piece of shit. I gave that album to you three years ago yep. and you never listened to it. And I that album to this day... Uh, it's Sufjan Stevens, Come On, Feel the Illinois. Oh, Chicago is one of my favorite songs of all time. It's actually been that, on two of the mixtapes that I'm going to talk about that I made in 2020. Somebody on Facebook or Twitter or TikTok 
said, you know, what, what is your one album that you can listen to regardless of your mood? Um, it, it is just the one end all be all. If you could have one album for the rest of your life. Uh, and that album is it for me. For me, it's Arcade Fire, the suburbs, which is yeah. uh, my consummate breakup album. But, uh, the song Chicago from Come On Philly, Illinois, it to me is a deeply meaningful personal song to me that reminds me of that person. And actually, yeah, I, uh, that person did not give me a mixtape, and, and that's really <laughs> the only reason that we never dated. Uh, it, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> well, let me let me tell you how I got a mixtape in the first place. Um, there Of the three mixtapes, I can only remember the titles of two of them. The first one was called Unprepared for This. And the reason for that was because our friend group in college was doing a mixtape White Elephant, or not White Elephant, a mixtape Secret Santa. So for over Christmas, you got a person and you made that person a mix CD. My now ex got me in that. I was with someone else. She was dating someone else. Uh, she called it unprepared for this because she kind of forgot and, and threw it together. It ended up being absolutely fucking incredible because she has amazing taste in music. And the art on it, she drew a bunch of spaceships, a, a Star Destroyer, and a bunch of other things. And I know I have it saved somewhere, but for the life of me, I can't remember what I did with it. I, I may have gotten rid of it over the years. Uh, we, we broke up about three years ago. But um, that getting that mixtape was important to me because it also kind of opened me up to, holy shit, I'm not happy. Like, it, it was a weird thing that kind of sparked in my mind of, I don't like the relationship I'm currently in. Um, it didn't happen super quick from there. The second album, or the second mixtape I got was when my then girlfriend and I broke up a, a mixtape called A Turn for the Worse, which was a lot of like breakup songs and sadder songs and, um, Damien Rice, Rat Within the Grain and, and a bunch of other things that I still fucking listen to to this day. And then there was a third one that summer because after I got a turn for the worse, I knew in my mind, I'm like, oh, I, I need to be with this person. Like the, I have feelings here. We've known each other for years. This, this needs to happen. And then with the third mixtape, it was like, which I can't remember the name of. It was just like, oh yeah, this, this is happening. This is, this is absolutely happening. And then we did for eight years. Uh, but what I want to talk more about is the mixtapes that I made in 2020 because mixtapes for me were a distraction. Without going too much into it, December of 2019 was kind of the beginning of the end of a uh, romantic relationship that I am in some ways still not over and may not be over for a long time uh, with somebody that – with I mean sounding sappy or sounding super, I don't know, emo. I fell hard and I'll, I will always feel love for this person no matter what even though I – have difficulty sometimes with being their friend. They have made a concerted effort through 2020 to still be friendly with me to, which I appreciate because my choice would have been no contact. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that that didn't happen, but um, I made a mixtape over the course of the end of December that wasn't listened to for several months. Unfortunately, Matt, it's much like your story of, I wish it had been listened <laughs> to timely because mm -hmm. I, it's the best – it's one of the best – it's the second best thing I've probably ever made in my life. I made it like a fucking radio show where in between every single song on the two CD mixtape, 
I recorded fucking stories and intros as if I was a fucking DJ. And <laughs> you'll hear on this next track, uh, the white stripes with fell in love with, you know, and I would tell little things, why it reminded me, why it was important to me, all of that shit, which I am, I can be a braggart from time to time, but this is the, like the second best thing I've ever done in my life was this fucking mixtape. The second one I made was for a different girl, one that I've had a kind of on and off again, strange connection since mid 2019 at various parts and which is very complicated even as of right now. Um, but I, I, <laughs> without revealing too much information, she has blocked me several times in 2020, not for any negative reason, but just for a, like, we shouldn't be talking kind of thing, which was new to me. Uh, the name of that mixtape was You Must Be a Goalie with Blocks Like These. <laughs> She's a Chicago Blackhawks fan. <laughs> she never listened to it. Um, I sent it to her. Yeah, it, I, I know for a fact she never listened to it. I don't think she understood that, uh, first of all, that I actually made it, or second of all, that, like, I even recorded my own thing. Like I, I thought that I was never going to speak to her again. And so when I saw that coming, I was like, Oh, I'm going to make this, this, this will be my goodbye. Like, this will be the last thing then of us talking is, Hey, listen to this for an hour. I say my piece, you know, all of that. Maybe that's weird. And, you know, I can get roasted when people eventually hear this, but um, yeah, that's the case. That was another good, I, I think Chicago was on that one as well. Then the third one, was back for the first girl again, the one I made the 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 first one in 2024. But uh, her birthday was in November. She was very kind to me on my birthday, which was in August. Uh, my birthday was shitty this year, and not just because of the pandemic. Uh, my my dad, my uncle, my aunt uh, actually had a very nice little coronavirus birthday party for me. We had drinks, we had great food. Um, cake, everything at my uncle's house right on the lake. It, it was beautiful. I that They were amazing for that. But it was a week after my grandfather had just passed away. I had taken off the, the week of work for my, my birthday week in advance, but that week became literally the funeral and the funeral prep and him helping my grandmother out and, and all of that of like, it, my birthday just got swallowed by grief and family and, and other stuff. And, uh, this girl was, she was very kind to me on my birthday in a way that really, it really meant something to me. So while even though we aren't always in the closest of communication, uh, on her birthday, I made her a mixtape. She's from Canada. So I made a, a mixtape of my favorite Canadian songs or my favorite songs from Canadian bands like Arcade Fire, but even like Alanis Morissette and, and a, a bunch of other things on there. Um, I didn't do the interludes. It wasn't an attempt at trying to romance her or anything like that. She's in a very happy relationship as far as I know to my great detriment, but, um, <laughs> sorry, couldn't, couldn't help it. The, the awful thing is she's absolutely going to listen to this, um, because she's Perfect. supportive and kind and nice. And I'm going to leave this in even through making those mixtapes. Like I learned audio editing because of the first mixtape that I made for her. I learned some, uh, photograph or some, some Photoshopping because I made CD inserts for, for her birthday one with, uh, some Schitt's Creek characters and letter Kenny characters on it. 
that's that's what I was going to mention about Letterkenny is I have an association specifically with her for Letterkenny that she was the reason that I actually started to fully watch it and binged it. And season eight came out uh, right before she came and visited me, the, only, the, the time that she came to visit me last October, and we watched season eight together. So when season nine comes out on Christmas in Canada, I think the 29th in America, um, that's not that's going to be a little hard for me. I love that show. I'm going to watch that show. There are some things that don't survive my associations. This one will. I, I fucking love the show. That gets a little difficult for me. But anyways. Get this week. guy a fucking puppers. Yeah. <laughs> Please. This leads me to one thing. And the reason that I really wanted to talk about this. I listened to the first episode of this program, this podcast, this show, whatever you want to call it. And... I heard it, since I'm the editor of this also, I heard it probably four or five times. And every time I heard Joe talk about music, I died a little more inside uh, <laughs> about how music mm. is good. It's fine. Music is, I don't, I don't have a musical identity. Joe, that fucking broke my heart every fucking time I heard it. So I have a proposal. I've already, I've already talked to our uh, esteemed colleague, Mr. Zadell, on this. Oh. <clears throat> That's me. Each episode, I would like to have presented you with mini mixtapes made by Matt and I. Okay. Topical ones from they can be themed, they can be, you know, what they can be grab bag, whatever. But I want to expose you to new music. And I want you to have listened to it. So what I'm thinking is five songs each. So every basically every two weeks you will be listening to a total of ten songs. And then just real briefly, when we record the next episode, you come on and say, you know, hey, I really liked song X. I really liked song Y. I hated songs, you know, whatever. To to truly try to enhance your musical associate, no, your your musical knowledge a bit more, expand your musical tastes a, a bit more. How how do you feel about that? Sounds good to me. It'll be and then very interesting. Then I can also put the five each lists in the show description so that our listener or listeners, or so Matt's mom, can see <laughs> the uh, the songs that we've each provided to him. And the nice thing is Matt and I have some similar music tastes. Like we, we both get into a lot of indie, a lot of classic rock, Beatles, obviously, super fucking love the Beatles. But um, – uh, we also differ in a lot of places as well. I've expanded more into the alt and indie genres, I think, than Matt has. And Matt, obviously, you have you know choral and orchestral stuff that you know mm -hmm. times a trillion that I've, I've never even dreamed of. And all we're gonna do is just give you different James Bond theme songs, anyway. Well, I've heard all those. <laughs> it should be Joe deciding on a theme, and then now I'll pick the first because I know Joe doesn't like to be put on the spot, so I'll pick the first one. But from here on out, I want Joe to either an idea, a concept, or whatever it was. I think, Matt, that our first one should be the most classic of all time, love. Oh, I was going to say teeth. Uh, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. No, I think I think just it can be romantic love, it can be familial love, it can be heartbreak through from love, whatever it is, but five songs that to you are infused with love. Cool. 
Joe, you don't have to give us some long-winded anything or at all. Just kind of a, oh, yep, I listened to all 10 songs. You know, there were a couple bangers on here. There was a couple misses for me. The one I really loved, hey, go check out You Are What You Love by Jenny Lewis and the Watson Twins. That's going to be on mine. Uh, some floral notes with hints of pear. <laughs> and because I have given you and, and made you listen to music over the years, there is going to be some repeats for you, some stuff that you've heard from me before. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. There is going to be a test. There is going to be a test. And the answer is Sprawl 2, Mountains Beyond Mountains. All right. But just to go back and finish off why mixtapes are meaningful distractions for me, I do it to try to tell a story. I do it to try to be creative and to try to link together either meaning, sound, whatever it is. Really put all of my heart or all of my feeling or all of my emotion towards that person into what I'm giving them. So it's it's something that when I start making it or when I'm in the midst of making it, I am actually – it's one of the few times I'm not multitasking because so much of my energy and so much of my focus is going into it and so much of my thought is, is on, oh, what's – like if you saw the the sheets that I have from even making the, the birthday one a couple of months ago, um, I, I've got – I had like five scrawling sheets of different bands, Canadian bands. These, I like these songs. Metrics, one of my favorite bands of all time. They're Canadian, you know, all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, like a fucking crazy person. Now I did end up sending those. I, I did something because I like to be out of the box. I sent that birthday package in a larger, like a zip CD case. But inside was a thin, like, plastic CD case with the actual CD inside, which had a, a CD insert that I had photoshopped and made and written a track list on the back of it. But even though the CD was inside it, the real track list was on a second CD case in the back of the <laughs> CD case because I, I did a fake out uh, with another list of songs to not show the true canadian roots uh immediately because i like to i like to have a little bit of surprise i like i have a flair for the dramatic if that has not been clear <laughs> at this point i am a very fucking dramatic son of a bitch um I love it or hate it i personally am a fan of it i wouldn't trade it for anything but uh yeah i i enjoy that shit and i will say there was two exceptions that i put on there one was a song that had a uh, deep meaning i won't go into that one was the my personal favorite version of the happy birthday song which matt i told you that i didn't tell you why i was th- thinking about my favorite version of the happy birthday song but it, it's it stevie wonder the stevie wonder right? happy yeah. birthday to you happy yeah. birthday to you happy birthday and i <laughs> it still is stuck in my head from fucking two months yeah two months ago that i was making it fucking I love music. Music to me is so emotionally satisfying in so many ways. And Joe, it, that's that's really why it kind of hurt every time I would hear you say, music's good. It's fine. <laughs> because music to me is, it can be anything. It can be everything. It, sometimes it's the only thing. Well, then it can be good and fine. <laughs> true. Very true. 
Well, that will wrap up another wonderful, incredible episode of Distraction Impossible. We thank you so much for listening. I I have to say, the amount of love that we got from just the first episode being out, people reaching out, we got a couple emails, I got Facebook messages, it truly was touching. I wasn't expecting anything, and when when we got even a couple of people, even Matt's mom sending an email, reaching out and and you know g- giving encouragement, it was amazing. And then Matt, your mom texted me about keto, and we texted about uh, keto stuff for a little while. Um, I don't doubt that, which which was awesome. Like, it, uh, but it it just it was so meaningful to me to have people reaching out and saying, "Hey, keep up the good work. I'm really interested. I love this. You know, hey, can't wait to hear more." As I've said, or as I've said before, as I said in the only other episode of this we've ever made, we are done. I will, I, listener, I'll, I'll get on my knees and beg. I'm not above that. I have no shame. I will beg. Please send us your comments, send us your questions, anything you want us to talk about. If you, if you have a burning question in your mind that you want to hear our answer to, send it to us at distractionimpossible at gmail.com. We are your obedient servants. <laughs> A dot ham. But, but truly, anything, send it to us. Uh, we love to hear feedback. It's been incredible so far, and I just really look forward to doing more of these and, and getting into our groove. Say goodbye, boys. Adios. Peace. Love you all very much. Have a good one.